1: Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue R Pods. Coming at you Monday night after the world's third preseason game. Another win this time over the Los Angeles Clippers. Tonight, um, I feel like we've talked a lot about the defense here on, on episodes of the past few weeks. So today I want to focus a little bit more on what's sort of popped offensively for this team. I went back this afternoon and watched um, the clips of the offensive possessions of the first two preseason games. Grab some things that stood out um, in a rewatch. So we'll we'll kind of hit on those things, and then also just what what stood out tonight against the Clippers. Obviously, haven't had the chance to rewatch that, but um, yeah, that'll lead us into talking about what this team is starting to look like offensively, and that will that will be a lot of D'Angelo Russell. He's he's really been the engine of the Wolves' offense in these preseason games, and I want to talk a little bit about he and Ant are kind of finding that balance, sharing the playmaking load. Uh, we also had. Our third different starting lineup of the preseason. Malik Beasley started tonight against the Clippers in that spot that Josh Kogi started the first game. Jared Vanderbilt started the second game. So we'll run through some of the the differences we've seen. Um when each of them or each of those three guys are are out there next to that. I guess we could kind of call it the core starting four of D Ant, Jaden, and cat. Uh, other than that, I I want to recognize some of the guys lower down in the rotation too. I went back and watched uh wasn't very many clips, but what Leandro Balmaro and Jalen Noel have done in the, the first two two games. So we'll hit on that as well. And then also, I think we got to talk about Nas Reed. Um, he sort of popped off tonight against the Clippers. So kind of just talking about what we're seeing, trying to pin down a little bit more what the roles of some of these guys might be. And that will all, I, I don't know, just kind of as I was watching the game tonight, led me to sort of put together a list of the whole roster, just kind of how I think the minutes will shake out, you know, one to 16, if you include the, the two, two way guys. So, so run through like what the hierarchy is there. Um, If you want to look at that list, I tweeted it out, uh, but I'll, I'll run through it as well. And, and then, yeah, uh, let's, let's start with D'Angelo Russell. I mean, tonight he, he had 19 points, nine assists, seven rebounds, just 23 minutes of play. Like I said before, he's kind of been the engine of this Wolves offense, particularly early in the games. I mean, he's the high usage guy early for sure. And the results from that in those first quarters have been really good in the Pelicans game and were really good tonight against the Clippers. The whole sort of group fell flat offensively in the first quarter of the Nuggets game. That wasn't all on d he but he was part of that flatness as well. And I just sort of bring this all up in a way of like, you know, I, I can definitely like fall to it. Like, who's going to be the ninth man? Who's going to, what What system are they going to run? This is not like so much of this team, so much of how good they are or are not going to be is specifically how well Cat, D'Lo, and Ant play and how well the three of them play together. And what what I feel like we've been able to sort of gather here in these, in these first games is that Ant and D'Lo kind of have to navigate a little bit you know, who is going to sort of take that offensive engine load, right? Like, who is going to be the sort of primary initiator of offensive action? Because thus far, it's sort of been, and maybe it, to some extent will always have to be, but it, it's sort of been baton passing. And, and what we've seen in all three preseason games is like, D'Lo clearly has the baton at the beginning of games. And, and you know, anyone who was able to watch the that second preseason game against Denver noticed, when the Wolves were flat, like there was a total lack of involvement by Anthony Edwards. I mean, Ant didn't take his first shot of that game until five minutes into the second quarter. And yet that was, I mean, that was problematic when, when you're like, okay, the the Wolves are clearly flat here. It's the glaring part of it is that Anthony Edwards is, is not being involved, but the really encouraging part of the first game. And then the third game tonight was that, you know, Dilo got going, but, Ant also did get going sort of in tandem with him. And I think when we think back to that first game, as we talked about, we, we think about Delo having 19 first half points in that game, but we also remember Ant, like as we talked about all his, his the way he, his defense got him that big dunk on Brandon, Brandon Ingram. He had, he had a couple other steals it, it, that he was also making plays while Delo was sort of churning the offense. I mean, Ant got the ball in transition He isolated it a couple times. Dilo did find Ant on an inbound pass for a layup in that game, but largely, even in that good game, a lot of Ant's offensive involvement was self-created, either by his defense or by his isolating. And Ant's lack of usage, it did become more glaring in that second game when he was again either sort of self-creating or not really involved at all. The, The rotations like Ant It sounds crazy that Ant didn't take his first shot until 17 minutes into the game, but in reality, like he was the sub out early in that game, then he came back, you know, in the second quarter, and then he then he started getting his shots. But again, there was a little bit of a wonkiness to the baton passing there. I tweeted during that game that I think it's important for the Wolves to find a go-to team action to get Ant going, you know, something other than just his self-creation when things are a little flat, because. They they haven't been flat for much of the preseason. Bulls three and zero. I mean, they've played pretty well, but we know that that's going to happen at times. So, what is that going to be? You know, how how are you going to involve Ant? Because we we know D'Lo's going to you know is going to be able to take his shots. We know he has that two man game with Cap, but like, how do we get all three involved? And how in that involvement of all three does does Ant get going as well? And you know, as we think back to the end of last season when Ant was rolling, like there were good three-man actions. Obviously, one we've talked about a bunch was that sort of horns action, right? Where D'Lo or Rubio would be up top and then Ant and Cat would kind of be at the elbows and it would just involve all three players. And Ant was very... Even if he wasn't taking the shot, he was involved in the action. And we've seen some stuff like that. We saw a nice... It was a nice play in the, the second quarter of that Denver game. Again, once Ant was started going, Cat and D'Lo ran a pick and roll. Dilo kicked it uh, coming off of the screen, kicked it to Ant. Ant drove. He was kind of walled off, so he kicked it back out to Dilo, who'd repositioned outside of the three-point line. It was a wide-open three. It's like those things where it's all three of them involved in the action. Ant gets his shot at it, but if it's not there, he can go back to D'Lo. He can go back to Cat. Like Those are the things... Those are the things we're looking for, and and when we're not seeing those, it's when you get a little bit concerned about, okay, you know, the whole classic enough basketballs to, just to, to spread around to get all three of these high volume, offensive players sort of going, I, you know, and I'm not saying, any of this is is for sure something broken between Ant and Dilo like splitting those creation duties, like, I I mean I haven't had the chance to go back and look at the clips from tonight's game, but it really did feel like that baton passing was a lot cleaner again Dilo was going but Ant was also getting involved in actions not just not just exclusively in sort of self creation mode and it probably just is as simple as those two getting more reps together finding that balance and you know tonight's game definitely suggested that they were doing that right both Ant and Dilo had 12 first half points they finished with 17 and 19 respectively and when I asked Chris Finch about it after the game, Finch definitely seemed encouraged, both by the way that D'Lo has taken the reins in all three of these games, but also by how tonight Ant got it going a little bit earlier. Here's what Finch had to say. Chris, um, in, in all three of these games, there's been a lot of D'Angelo early kind of getting going. Uh, how much of that is is by design by you, and how much is that, that is D'Angelo kind of taking that on himself to kind of set the tone early?
2: I mean, it's ninety nine point nine percent (laughs) D'Angelo. The point one is me starting him. (laughs) So uh, no, it's he's he's been aggressive early, and uh, you know it's it's something that you know he uh, he's trying to set the tone out there, and I think it helps because when you when he's playing with that attack mindset, you know he has defenders on their heels a lot, and uh, that loosens up loosens up the floor for everyone else.
1: Do you feel like the kind of Baton passing between him and Ant tonight in in that kind of initiator role was a little cleaner in this game.
2: Yeah, I think I mean you know it was it was a definitely one of our objectives tonight to get Ant get Ant's usage up a little bit. Um, you know, some of that was helped by the fact that D'Lo was out at times, and he was you know kind of our de facto one. Although Jalen Noel did a great job out there too for us. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean we got. I mean, Cat and 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 Dilo have great chemistry. You can see that. It just they just do. And Ant has really good chemistry, um, you know, with 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 Cat as well. We just got to get the three. We just got working out the kinks of the three of them yet. Still,
1: the wonkiest starts to one of these games again was the was the Denver game, right? And and that was the game that Vanderbilt got the start. Um, and I, I don't think it's fair to put that all on all on him. So we talked about that's just when Dilo and Ant weren't really weren't really lining up. It wasn't all on Van Vando. I'm not sure if Beasley starting in that game or a Kogi being out there next to the other four starters would have been any better. But now that we've seen all three of those guys play next to the starters, I think we can say that each of those players, when they're out there as the fifth starter, is you know it, they're going to be different. Um, what we've seen in these preseason games is that the way that a Kogi versus Vando, versus Beasley, are used in that fifth spot, it's very different. They're, they're obviously three very different players. And uh, after we take a quick break here, I want to kind of run through what those differences are, at least what we've seen in these preseason games and what we can kind of you know guess the difference will be for one of them when they become the fifth starter next to the, the core four starters. So we'll take a quick break and be back here after that. Today's show is brought to you by TickPick. Timberwolves basketball is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Timberwolves tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. We obviously have the Timberwolves Home Opener coming up, and the Wolves will be playing at Target Center. So you can use TickPick. They'll have you covered. Obviously, we'll have games all throughout the season. I'll be there at everyone. You can wave to me in the media section. So if you're looking for Timberwolves tickets, visit TickPick.com Dane Moore, my full name, today and use the promo code Dane Moore to save $10 on your first order for Timberwolves tickets. That's TickPick.com slash
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed.
1: All right, we're back talking about how the different fifth starters have looked next to the Wolves. Core starting four of D'Lo, Ant, McDaniels, and Kat. And let's start with tonight's game against the Clippers where they started Beasley. It kind of went exactly how you would think it would go. You, you saw you saw Finch be intentional about getting Beasley the ball early. Uh, the first play of the game was clearly designed for Malik, and he got a bucket. But we also saw immediately on the other side of the floor, Vita Zubats got an offensive rebound and a dunk on the Clippers' first offensive possession, which, again, when the Wolves go small, like they did, you know that's to be expected. They're giving up a lot of size with that starting five. We also just felt the Wolves play really fast in this game that Beasley started, which again, I think is to be expected and normally should be a a really good thing for Beasley lineups. I mean, Malik thrived in transition last year. The problem this year, it appears, at least right now, is that Beasley's not currently in the same shape he was a year ago. Finch has been asked about that during training camp, and he said that, they kind of gave Malik time off at the end of the summer and that he's been working in camp to kind of get back into that same shape. Obviously, I don't know. I don't know what else is going on there, but what has been pretty apparent is that Beasley is not the same player when he isn't in that elite shape. Um, we're We're seeing him leave a lot of shots short, and then he's kind of struggled to explode through contact. He also just he just looks kind of frustrated, the, the classic body language of, you know, my body just isn't doing what I want it to do. So I think this is definitely something worth monitoring here as, you know, we're now eight days away from the season opener. Part of this team being really good, like, yeah, it's it's the top line guys, but Malik Beasley should be the fourth or, or fifth best player on this team. And and right now he, he's not at that level. And, and that's kind of opened the door. Much more legitimately for Vanderbilt or Kogi to, you know, to to be the one in that role. Obviously, energy and conditioning isn't the problem at all for them. Akogi was, he was excellent from an energy standpoint in the game he started, and you know he also brought energy in the second game when he came off the bench. He didn't play tonight, um, nursing a little ankle injury. But what was interesting, going back to me or going back today to me, was was watching Kogi's minutes next to those starters. And then watching how it was different when Vanderbilt was out there next to those starters in the second game. And I, I didn't really realize this the first time watching it, but those guys are being asked to do pretty different things on offense, which is which is kind of different because we I think of the generally speaking, we think of both of those players as like like, like energy guys, good defenders and not real shooting threats. Like kind of in a lot of ways the same players. The difference with Okogi versus Vando is that Okogi is being used in much more of a shooter type of role. He's really doing like the, the classic PJ Tucker stuff on offense, right? Like planted in the corner, um, there to take some spot-up looks when he's open. But other than that, it's like crash the offensive glass if you don't get the ball. Vando is, from what we've seen in the film, he he's tasked a lot more with moving around he's he's constantly looking for guys to screen on or off ball and you don't see that from a Kogi. that that's a you know that's a big difference but when the offense kind of settles in or you sort of get to the shot time of the possession vando is also being asked to kind of space sometimes to the dunker but a lot of time that spacing is out along the perimeter where you know vando is going to be asked to be a spacer and and, and a shooter to to some extent this year in the Denver game. It was interesting. Aaron Gordon was guarding Vanderbilt. The game Vanderbilt started and and he was clearly playing off Ando in those spot up situations. And that's where the fit became like a little dicey for the wolves, particularly because Gordon's one of their better defenders and probably the best defender. And and he had this sort of freedom to, to roam. And if you watch that game, you saw, you saw Vanderbilt's first three point attempt that, missed the rim by like five feet and that that possession was interesting it was and maybe like indicative of a potential problem with vando's fit in a starting lineup that's going to be really like drive and kick heavy he's going to sometimes be the one that it's kicked to and on that possession of the vanderbilt smith's three like before vando shoots it gordon just like completely ditches him to go pick up delo kind of in a scramble type situation like Nobody's on Dilo so he, so he leaves Vando to go like wall him up. Dilo drives and Gordon does block him off and he kicks to he kicks to Vando above the break. The defense hasn't really rotated all the way over to Vando so he's open. Fires it and then he misses it badly. I mean, I found it it interesting that that happened kind of at the end of of his first shift and I found it interesting that after that, after those first kind of 8 minutes of the game with Vando next to Cat, D'Lo, Anth, and Jaden, that the starting lineup. After that, Finch used Vando more in that game as a small ball five, playing with the second unit guys to kind of stagger the rotation off. And and part of that was about the opponent, like against Denver, when Jokic isn't out there, like you can definitely get away with Vando built as the five for sure. But I do think part of it was Finch not wanting to go to that that line, lineup as much because Vando's offensive fit. Is a little bit wonky when he's asked to be a spacer next to Cat, next to D'Lo, next to Ant in that unit. Like he just fits better offensively when it's when it's a second unit that's sort of running. Obviously, Vando's is one of the Wolves' best defenders, but the question that Finch might be pressed with is how big of a gap is there between Vando as a defender and a Kogi or even Torian Prince when it comes to kind of playing minutes next to those four starter guys I mean if if a Kogi can capably guard at the four which he did in the Pelicans game he started then he arguably becomes a better option next to the other starters because his offensive fit is a little bit more natural that that fit of I don't want to label him as a shooter but like the role of a shooter for a Kogi is a little bit more natural for him and it just fits Finch's offensive system a little bit better what you lose, though, with a Kogi out there is, you know, compared to Vando is that the you know, teams can hide smaller guards on a Kogi and they probably won't do that against Vando. Like in the Pelicans game, they put Devontae Graham on a Kogi and that was just where they they hit him. But with Vando, obviously, he's much bigger and that's more of an offensive rebounding threat. And you just can't do that. I mean, last year, Vanderbilt was 91st percentile in the league among of according to like offensive rebound rate where a Kogi, good offensive rebounder too, but 70th percentile, he's he's not as much of a threat there. He's somebody I think more teams will yeah, just be more comfortable putting a guard on him because they don't think he'll necessarily punish you on the glass, where Vanderbilt will really punish a uh, another guard if he's matched up on him just by getting offensive rebounds. And again, a Kogi is more of a catch and shoot catch and drive type of weapon, you know, in those spots, he can do something with the ball a little bit more when he's catching on the perimeter. Um, I, then again, a is not a strong catch and shoot player. He's consistently fell in the bottom of the league in catch and shoot three point percentage, but he does have experience doing it. A taken 477 threes in his career. Vanderbilt's taken seven. I don't know. I'm not drawing any conclusions on who is the better option for the wolves in that fifth starter position um and i don't think chris finch is is ready to make any conclusions either here after the game tonight he he talked about how it's it might end up just being matchup driven this is this is where finch is at in his head right now about where where he's going with this fifth starter
2: hey chris do you see the starting lineup tonight as a legitimate option for you as the season starts or was it more to do with who was available and, and wanting to get malik going I think it's a legitimate option. I think, uh, you know, everything we've thrown out there so far has been a legitimate option for us. Uh, um, so, you know, we're, we're still unsettled in that category, to be honest, Jace, uh, just continue to evaluate and it could very well be, you know, a matchup driven thing for us, you know, that might be where it shakes out. What are our best matchups at that point? Cause all the, all three of those guys that have started so far, have really done good things when they've been in there and, uh, you know, Malik obviously creates a lot of space for for everyone else on the floor, and we were able to get to the basket quite easily tonight with him out there.
1: So that's where Finch is with the starting lineup. Um sliding down from the starters and moving to the fringe of the starting or the fringe of the rotation, I guess. Um I want to give Jalen Noel and Leandro Balmaro some shout-outs for the minutes they played in this preseason. I didn't I didn't do a pod after the, the Nuggets game on Friday, so we haven't talked about Noel kind of going off at the end of that game there. And I just want to point out that he's doing a great job of kind of creating offensive space with his offensive attack. I mean, a couple of those drives he had against Denver into like mid-range pull-ups were with Bull Bull switched onto him. And I mean, to be able to create clean space when you have Bull Bull seven three Bull Bull on you is that's pretty impressive. And and I think he was I think Jalen was rewarded for that tonight with I mean Kogi McLaughlin and Patrick Beverly all didn't play against the Clippers but. After Noel had just kind of been like a fourth quarter guy in the first two preseason games, he was the first he was the first player into the game off the bench tonight. Um, for for D'Angelo Russell. And I think I think Noel is I don't think he's going to be in the rotation, but I think he's he's making his case to be a legitimate option just kind of just out of the rotation um for where the season starts. And I don't think I think that's something he's sort of earned here in training camp in these games. And then with Bomaro, I'm just I'm just kind of impressed that he looks comfortable out there. Uh, obviously, he's very raw and his his shot has a long way to go. Just kind of watching him shoot in practice and warm-ups. You can you can pretty clearly see the added distance of the NBA three point line. It's going to take some adjusting too, for him. He he kind of launches it from his shoulders a lot more from above the break than he does, you know, when he's shooting from the corners or when he's shooting from mid-range, a, a shorter shot. But overall, like. I think Bumaro looks comfortable. You, you can tell he's played a good amount of pro basketball. Uh his his first play in that first preseason season game, right? Like everyone saw the highlights. He just dimed off that pocket pass to Nathan Knight. And, you know, he's he, he's yeah, he just looks comfortable. He's he flashed to the mid-range well. He had that pull up game. He looks he just looks comfortable operating at the top of the key or when he can get catches in the mid-range. And and I believe in that because that's also what showed up in his overseas tape when I watched him, you know, when I watched him play some this summer and yeah, I just think it's been encouraging. With Bormoro, he seemed so nervous at the press conferences, right? And, and in some of the drills and practices I've seen, like coaches have had to explain things to him, actually a little bit more on defense than on offense, but in the time he's played on the floor, in the preseason games, he doesn't, he doesn't look lost at all really. And uh, yeah, that, that's an, it, exceeding my expectations that I had, you know, kind of coming into the offseason or in, coming into the season, which, um, you know, which I think opens up my mind to the idea that he could maybe at some point in the season with injuries, crack the rotation. And then lastly of the not necessarily fringe rotation guys, we know Nas Reed is going to he's going to be, you know, cats backup here, but he, uh, you know, he he had a really good game night against uh, against the Clippers. He, he seemed a little bit too amped up in the opener. He was a little bit better against Denver, but tonight he really got rolling. 13 points, 19 minutes. Um, noteworthy, I thought, in this game relative to Nas was that he played next to Cat for the first time in the preseason. Um, that's obviously something that, that Finch has talked about and he talked about post-game today, that he's, uh, he's kind of holding his own feet to the fire, saying he needs to get Nas out there a little more with Cat. Here's what Finch had to say after the game. And then with, with Nas Reed, um, just the way that he's playing an all-around game, I mean, some of the the passing that he's, you know, go, going
2: in the open court and things, just how are you seeing his game come together here as he gets ready for, for this season? Now, he's playing with a lot of confidence. I told him yesterday he's playing really well. I mean, just doing all the little things well for us. He's not forcing anything. Game's coming easy to him right now. He's finishing at a high level, um, you know, in some tough angle plays. Uh, rebounding defensively. I, I'm, I'm very proud of him. He's had a great preseason so far. And, you know, again, as we've talked about it since the you know middle of my stint last year, like I got to find more minutes. We got a few minutes with him and Cat out there. Offensively, you know, we got to figure some things out. But I thought, the, you know, they, they continue to look good every time they're on the floor together. Last season, Cat only shared the floor with Nas Reed for 160 minutes. The
1: only player Cat played with less last year was Jarrett Culver. So we just didn't see it much. What I will point out, though, is of those 160 minutes that Nas and Kat played together, 150 of those came once Chris Finch took over. And from what I've kind of heard, uh, Rosas was sort of blocked Saunders from letting that lineup happen. I mean, Rosas wanted the team to be playing faster, and he thought... They couldn't play fast with both Cat both and Nas out there. Um, I do think you get a little bit slower when you have those guys out there. Um, I don't know how much slower, but it definitely feels like something that Finch might have to get to uh, this year. Not just not just against bigger opponents. You're probably just going to have to play them at times against bigger opponents, but, but also just because Nas feels like he deserves more than just sort of those backup center scrap minutes. But still, I, I think... I think Nas is going to be somewhat limited in in how much he can play because for the most part, that will be his minutes. And like I was saying before, I made this list kind of going down from who I think is, is going to play the most minutes, who I think will play the least. And I had I had Nas 10th on that list. Again, I tweeted this list out uh, during the game. You can find it on my Twitter, but I'm going to run through it here because I think it probably, probably needs some more extrapolation than, than just a, a list here in tier one. Of minutes for this season. I I have Cat, Ant, and D'Lo in some order. You'd like it to be Cat who gets the most minutes of that group, but I think we all know that'll be somewhat dependent on, on his foul trouble and how much that kind of rears its head during the season. In tier two, I've got McDaniels and Beasley. We think McDaniels will get starter minutes here, so he seems kind of like a lock to be in that group. And then, well, I don't know if Beasley will start. I do think Finch will be no matter what, intentional about getting him out there, getting him, in. he's talked a lot about how he really wants to see D'Lo and Malik out there, uh, next to each other. So I think he deserves to kind of have that fifth spot, in fifth spot in the in the overall thing. And so I put him in in tier two for this. And then in tier three, I put Patrick Beverly, Josh Kogi, Jared Vanderbilt, and Torian Prince in some order. Uh, I think we know Beverly will get his minutes, both as a backup. Uh, to Delo and next to Delo to some extent, uh, Okogi and Vanderbilt might start some, so they deserve to be in there at this level as well. And then it's feeling like Torian Prince will be kind of a staple of the rotation as well. He's he's definitely their most balanced bench player. He'll he'll shoot it at a high level, I think, and he he should be able to guard some too. You know, plus, Prince has more positional versatility than a lot of guys on this team. Finch always talks about Prince. When mentioning lineups, that will be switch heavy. In tier four, I put Nas by himself. We know he's a lock for those 12 to 15 backup center minutes a night. And then maybe a little bit more upside in minutes on nights where Cat is in foul trouble. Or maybe even 20 plus minutes if he's getting 8, 10 minutes a game uh, next to Kat in, in the front court. So that's 10 players through those first four tiers. Which is kind of like the breaking point maybe for for what the rotation will be at the beginning of the season tier five then I put Jordan McLaughlin and Jalen Noel these are the two guys who I think have a chance at cracking the rotation if Finch decides to go 11 deep to be fair I think McLaughlin is probably ahead of Noel in this um you know McLaughlin he didn't play McLaughlin didn't play in this this third game but he's in the preseason he's been in the meaningful minutes part of the rotation in the two games he's played. Finch has talked, like, many times about liking J-Mac next to d Again, not just as a backup. And then out of the rotation, I think for sure in Tier 6 to start the year, is Bomaro, Jake Lehman, and Nathan Knight. I'd be shocked if any of them are playing non-garbage minutes at the beginning of the season. But if injuries happen to guards, right, like Bomaro would be the next man up to kind of enter into that group. Injury to a wing, Jake Lehman, and an injury or, I guess, serious foul trouble in a game, that would that would lead you to believe that Knight would be the guy to kind of come up there. Those guys also in the scrimmages I've watched are all, they've been the guys wearing the yellow jerseys, uh, which kind of signals that they're in the third unit. McKinley Wright has also had a yellow jersey on, but I put him down in the last tier tier seven, because I think just numerous injuries would happen, like have to happen to point guards for him to be able to crack the rotation at all for somehow the, This team is now pretty deep at point guard. Very, very different than last year. So yeah, that's where my head is at here. Uh, Three preseason games into the year. I'm sure this list will seem very stupid in like two weeks, but that's where I'm at right now. Uh, The Wolves do have one more preseason game in Brooklyn on Thursday before the season starts on the following Wednesday. Uh, From a pod schedule standpoint, I'm actually going to be out of town for the next few days, but Britt and I are planning on recording a trio of pods this coming weekend sort of previewing the season we'll do one episode on the guards one on the wings and one on the bigs so you can look for those to begin to trickle out over the weekend which will really lead us right up to the opener on the 20th which is wednesday um it's gonna be here before we know it and then we'll we'll really be rolling that's uh that's all i got for you tonight Or some sort of you know, wild development over the next few days i will talk to you all all with Brit this weekend. Until then I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling better, hoping never stop, yeah. Green and also you can find me in the
2: crowd, yeah. Yeah, don't let standards ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around you.